Good morning, Giants. Welcome to Wake Up with Giants TV. Have you ever had a vision or a dream so big that you didn't know if it was possible? Stick around. Perfect. Morning, Giants. Welcome to Wake Up with Giants TV. I'm Ryan Morris, and as always, I'm here with your host, Nicholas T. Smith, the author of The Giants and the Smalls. If you haven't uh, subscribed on YouTube, go ahead and do that now. Hit the alert button so you know when we go live every single dang time. Follow us on Facebook. We're a tribe of giants. In a tribe of giants, we have a whole group that's supporting each other. That's a great place to get resources and content, catch up on any old stuff that we've done. So you can see uh, the way of other people being giant and, and also participate in being a giant. Uh, we also got our SG groups. That's the Zoom Gigante groups, one-on-one uh, -on -one training, coaching, group training, all of the all the fun stuff that comes along with uh, the Giants and the Smalls. Nick, do you have any other announcements that you want to Not at this time. I think we'll just dive into our amazing guest, James Melanchek, if that works. Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, James, uh, we'll talk a little bit about you. So James is recognized as one of the most requested in-demand business and motivational keynote speakers and marketing consultants in the world. So he's featured on the ABC TV show, Secret Millionaire, and was twice named National College Speaker of the Year. He's delivered over 3,000 presentations for corporations, associations, business groups, colleges, universities, and youth organizations worldwide. And he can speak for groups ranging from 20 to 30,000 plus. So big time speaker. As a speaker and marketing coach and consultant, James is the behind the scenes go-to marketing advisor for many top speakers, authors, thought leaders, business professionals, celebrities, sports coaches, athletes, and entrepreneurs, and is recognized as the world's number one big money speaker, trainer, and coach. James, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. You're welcome. Did we leave yeah. anything out? Yeah. Only, <laughs> only like this giant packet of stuff I got in the mail. Like, this is, this is awesome. Beautiful. <laughs> we could read this and, and take all day. This is awesome. <laughs> I also have size 13 uh, sneakers, too. Oh, so geez. That out. There you, you go. Know what, you know what they say about shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. Somebody does. Somebody will comment about it. But, uh, man, we look forward to, to sharing your journey. We're going to be online here for about 45 minutes for this episode. It's a special episode with James Melichek. And uh, as we explore this, the goal of this is to help our, our followers and viewers recognize the journey of a giant, what it takes to go from whatever beginning you have to whatever creation you can imagine. And if you're willing to, we'd love to go back in time to childhood with you. What, what was life uh, like growing up? How was it? Well, I was born in a van down by the river. I mean, isn't that what every like professional speaker says? I think so. <laughs> yeah, that's Chris a great Farley. story. Yeah. Everyone at home's like, hmm. <laughs> They're taking uh, notes. Yeah. I actually, um, I grew up in a very tiny steel mill town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a population about 6,000 great folks. Uh, we didn't have much growing up. Dad was a steel worker working in the steel mill as a railroad conductor. And mom was a lunch mother serving uh, lunches to us kids at school. So it wasn't like we you know, came from any financial means. Um, I had some big dreams and big goals. And I thought my way out of the small town was a, an athletic scholarship. So 
I uh, honed my skills really well in the summertime. I didn't go out and hang out at the beach like most kids. I was going to basketball camps and scouting camps, just trying to get seen by uh, various coaches. And long story short, I got about 50 scholarship offers my senior year, and I accepted a scholarship offer to the University of Cincinnati out of uh, high school. And I went there and played, and my coach uh, got relieved from his duties. That's a nice way of saying he got yeah. fired. <laughs> he got relieved from his duties, and I transferred, and I played out at the University of Hawaii at Hilo. And I uh, first game, I blew my knee out oh. and had to have uh, surgery, ACL, torn meniscus, the whole nine yards. I was kind of done. That kind of shot my aspirations of a professional basketball career. And so I moved to Los Angeles, started my career as a, uh, a stockbroker, financial advisor. It's what I always wanted to do and um, did really well there. Won some awards at a young age and uh, then left with my partner and started our own little firm company and handled investments of many entertainers and professional athletes. A lot of names you guys would probably know and uh, people in Hollywood. And then I started getting asked to speak and I was like, I remember the first guy that called me and he's like, Hey, we want you to come speak. And I'm like, what do you mean speak? Like I speak every day on a telephone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, no, we want you to come talk to our, our sales group. And I'm like, but I don't, I don't do that stuff. I'm a financial advisor. And he said, well, look, we need you to talk for 45 minutes. We'll pay $5,000. I said, I speak, I speak. <laughs> hey, look, look. All of a sudden, turns out I do a lot of things. <laughs> Mama didn't raise no fool, man. Someone wants to pay you. You shut up and take it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so one led to two. And I, I, I didn't know that they um, actually, there was a profession, a career in this whole speaking thing. And uh, actually, it was a good friend of mine named uh, Joe Theismann. This is his book that I just helped him do. Legendary uh, Super Bowl champion quarterback with the, the Washington football team. Back then, it was the Washington Redskins. Joe's been one of my best friends for 25 years and, nice. and he's the one that sort of got me into speaking and explained about the speaking industry. And, and I was like, wow, like they can pay me to talk. This is really cool. I've I talked, I'm talking all the time anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and here we are 3000. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you're going to pay me to eat pasta. I'm hey, right. I'm in. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you and I want to go back just a hair. Sure. Because I caught something in your story that I think could be valuable for people. So you have this whole vision of how your life is going to be. You put in all this hard work. You're, 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 you're grinding when all the other kids are out playing, right? And you're, you're spent all this time practicing and showing up to all these different camps. And you think you have it figured out. And then you blow out your knee. <laughs> what did that do? Like, like. I mean, for a lot of people, they might not have an actual knee blowout, but their whole their whole um, vision of what they thought their world was going to look like explodes, right? Just like your knee, right yeah. before their eyes, and it can take people into a in a state of panic, chaos, fear, you name it. Can you speak to that a little bit of what went through your mind and then what did you do? I mean, I know what you did afterwards because, I mean, spoiler alert, <laughs> all right? We know what you've done. But can you go through that mindset a little bit with us and, and with our yeah, viewers? That's a great point. Uh, well, the first thing was I always had a plan B. And I've been that way. I don't know why. I've, my whole life I've been that way. You know, it just it made logical sense to me. If, if A doesn't work out, you got B. And so fortunately, 
when I was trying to pursue this dream of being a professional athlete and playing basketball my entire life, I always had a plan B. I knew that I was going to be a financial advisor, stockbroker if, uh, if that didn't work out or if I got injured or if I just wasn't good enough. You know, so that was the first thing. I always had that plan B. And that's when, when I talk to athletes now, I uh, spoke for the NBA not too long ago. And I told those guys the same thing. I said, you know, I asked them, I said, what's your plan B? And, and it was like dead silence. I said, well, you know, your plan B, like, you know, what if you get cut tomorrow? Or what if you're like me, you blew out an ACL, you know, blew out your knee, tore your ACL. You're done. You're not as quick as you were before. You know, or what if one day a team wakes up and says, man, you, we just don't think you're as good enough and can't can contribute anymore. You know, what are you going to do? And that happens all the time. All the time. All the time. And so um, fortunately, and, and seriously, guys, I don't know why, but I had a plan B. And I don't know what it even made me think of it. So that was the first thing. But the second thing was, you hit the nail on the head, that, you know, it's a tremendous psychological situation for you when you've done something since you were a kid. And, you know, you're, you're close to hitting the mountaintop and you're about, you know, I don't know, 20 yards away from the, the mountaintop. You can see the point. summit, right? Uh, you're like you right there. It. Yeah, I must put the flag down, wave my arms, take the picture, you know. And you trip and, uh, and tumble down the hill, right? You're like yeah. staking that flag. No. and. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it just, um, it, it you know, it's just, it was shocking. It was difficult. A lot of emotions, painful. Yeah. Um, what am I like? How am I going to do this my whole life? You know, difficulty. Um, I'm knowing where to go, even though I had a plan B, you know, I was just, I mean, I was basketball 24, seven, 365, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was really tough, but then, um, Fortunately, I had that plan B because it didn't take me long. I mean, I ripped my knee up and kind of knew. You kind of know as an athlete. I mean, you could you could do whatever you want in negotiation for contracts. You could say whatever you want, but in your heart, you know, like when you lost a step. Yeah. You know, I was I did something with Michael Jordan in uh, in Las Vegas for a few years. I remember asking him. I said, uh, uh, you know, you were at the height of your career, and then you were playing for the Wizards, and you, you know. Was your mind different than your body's off, oh, man? He's like, my mind, I'm flying through the air. And then I look at the film and I'm like that high off the ground. <laughs> it's like, you, know, you, know, you, just can't, you just can't do it. You lost yeah. a step. You lost everything. And, I just and, thought of Uncle Rico, you know, and, and uh, where he's like reminiscing of, of all those college days, right? And he's, he's not great at all, but in his mind, he's the best quarterback yeah. ever, right? Yeah. It's like cousin Eddie from Christmas vacation right. dressed like him and thinking he's awesome. You can see <laughs> but, the turtleneck through the, the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, um, it didn't take me long, but it was about five or six months of feeling really terrible and bad. And then, yeah, I was like, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, just can't stay in this place forever. It's time to jump on the horse and get ready for plan B. Thank goodness you had a plan B. Along the way too, with, with yeah. all of that, did, you know, I'm, I'm imagining, and I probably know the answer to this already, good parents, but mentors and people that are right there beside you as, as these things are going along. Like, can you talk about some of the, the importance of mentors and, and, uh, and you know, before, good support? Before we go down that thread too, though, like, can you tie in purpose? Because you got a plan B, but can you talk about what purpose is along with that? We'll throw yeah, two well, questions at you. Yeah, well, I'll hit the purpose one first. Uh, I didn't know what purpose was back then. I had no clue. 
I mean, I, I grew up in a steel mill town. We weren't taught that in school or, you know, we, it wasn't like if you're uh, like we are today where you, you got books and, you know, audio programs and speakers and online courses. I mean, it wasn't like that for, for me growing up. And there was no access, you know, 24 seven on your cell phone to anything, anytime, anywhere kind of thing. You know, so I don't really honestly even know if I knew what a what purpose was. I had like goals, you know, um, I had direction of what I wanted to do. But like as far as like in your soul, in your heart, real purpose, I honestly don't think I, I even knew what it, it was. I didn't, I didn't know it existed. You know, I, I learned it years later from a friend of mine, Professor Joe Martin, who you guys wouldn't know, but he's one of the top speakers in the university, college, and high school world. I think they call him America's number one motivational professor. And uh, I heard him talking about purpose. This is like 20 years after that. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so much more deeper than goals or, or like even like a focus, an attitude focus. Yeah. You know, it, it's about like what your soul and your heart and your spirit really desires and getting that train on that right track to align with that which yeah. I found out was purpose, <laughs> you know, aligned with your purpose. Yeah. So, so I've heard a definition of purpose of a place to rest, right? You, you move forward and then you'll rest and Ryan will jump back on as he can. It looks like his tech failed, but uh, can you speak to that? So you, a purpose in my, my understanding of it is something that you make up, you create it. And so when you, when you lost your career and then you shifted, you pivoted and you went into financial planning, that became your new purpose. And then when you went into speaking, that became a new purpose. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I sort of always knew I wanted to do financial planning. I have a, a relative who always flew me out to New York. He's one of the top commodity traders yeah. on the, uh, in the gold and silver pits back in the World Trade Centers before the terrible 9-11 tragedy. Yeah. And he traded in the gold, silver, mercantile pits. And he was one of the top traders, made hundreds of millions of dollars. And would fly me out all the time and just kind of teach me stuff about financial and markets and things like that. And so that sort of got ingrained at me from a, a young age, high school, when I used to do that for him and intern for him. And then even in college, I interned for him. And uh, so I was sort of knew I wanted to do that, even when I was pursuing basketball. So when the basketball situation happened with my knee, it was real easy to like just jump and go because I always knew I wanted to do that. I was fascinated by, you know, the stock market, financial market, commodity exchange. And, you know, it's just really futures. And I just I love that for some reason. Well, because I get got ingrained in me. So yeah. when it came time to transition, I quickly figured out one thing, though. I did not want to be a guy in the pits trading because I would watch a guy yeah. win, make a million dollars one day and lose 10 million the next. I was like, this is too crazy for me, man. I need to like be in an office. So I, went, I knew I wanted to be a financial advisor in an office. And so uh, I always felt this is how it lines with purpose. I always felt it was so purposeful what I was doing because I always looked at it as I'm a financial doctor, just as if you have a, a health doctor, medical doctor. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm a financial doctor. And this literally could save people's lives because it could set them up for I always thought about set them up for retirement where they don't have to worry and stress about money and finances and they can live their lives or pay for their children's education to get out of debt or pay off their home and put that money to work for them. So I always looked at it as a, a financial doctor. Therefore, I felt I was very purposeful in what I was doing. And that's why I had that 
throttle down hunger and drive to do well because I really felt it was so needed. It wasn't just like a job for me. Yeah. You know, and then no. when I could, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. When you when you transition from there to, to speaking, like Ryan asked, you know, about the, the mentorship, did you just dive into it and learn it on your own or did you have people there for you trying to help you out? So when I got into financial advising, my, my relative, my cousin, who was always yeah. my mentor my whole life, who would bring me to New York. I mean, and I'm talking about this is a guy that had Rolls Royces, lived in the top floor, you know, um, ran around with major, major, major name people that he would do deals with, was going to buy a professional football team. I mean, he's that sort of level. So, but he was always my mentor because he came from the same small steel mill town. So when okay. it came into finances, he was my mentor. When it came into speaking, I had no mentors. Like, cause I didn't know any, I didn't even know it existed. Uh, I, I got this $5,000 gig and I remember I was in Palm Springs with uh, Joe Theismann. I was in Palm Springs. He was out there speaking. And I had asked him, I said, hey, Joe, they pay you to be out here. And he said, yeah. And I said, and by the way, this is before I got the 5,000 bucks. So I didn't yeah. know anything about it. I said, would they pay you like $50 or something? <laughs> no clue. Like, this is going to be great. 50 bucks, man. I'm going <laughs> to hit that, that time. Yeah. This was 1990. I like how either way you were going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, $50, man. Yeah. <laughs> With inflation today, that is about 5,000 bucks, right? And he said, no, they paid me $10,000 and I about okay. fell off my chair. That was 1995. Wow. I mean, he's 30,000 today, just to put in perspective. And, and I said, uh, I said, what? They, pay, they paid you $10,000. What? I said, you think I can get that? Like in this high pitched town. <laughs> and he said, well, I don't know if you can get 10,000 bucks because I'm sort of a celebrity on television, blah, 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 blah. But he said, and he, but he said, you can get paid. And he started to explain, I guess he was my first mentor because he started to explain about the speaking industry and how big it was. Mm-hmm. And guys, I'm the type of guy you only need to smack me in the forehead with a two by four once and I catch it. You don't have to hit me twice. And when I said, when I found that out, I said, man, I'm going to, I don't know how, but I'm going to do this thing. And so, uh, yeah. And then like, a couple months later, I got that $5,000 gig, which blew my mind. Cause I was like, that's half of what Joe got, you know, and I started doing the math. If I do this 10 times, that's 50 grand. I did this a hundred times, you know, holy cow, that's 500,000 bucks for talking. You know, plus there's the whole cachet of like, you know, you're you're a somebody because they want you to talk. Plus you get the impact people's lives. So all that together is what made me do it. But I will tell you, I uh, did something really stupid. Okay, you guys ever do anything stupid? No, never. No, never, right? Not one thing. <laughs> you guys are sharp. <laughs> We're so good. All the so time. Apparently, easy apparently, I didn't pay, apparently, I didn't pay my power bill or something. The power went out in the middle of the day. I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, the screen goes dark. I'm like, now what? Oh, it's You, you should have checked the plug. It probably wasn't plugged into right? the wall. It goes on this car. All you have to do is plug it in. <laughs> no, I made it back, I, uh, though, so we're good. I, I followed a... Uh, a line that's been perpetuated out there that I truly believe 100% is an absolute lie. It's the old line, jump and the net will appear. Mm. So I jumped, quit my job, went in full boat because I got five grand for a talk. This is easy. I got 5,000 for 45 minutes. This was easy. Like I'm going to go and be, ah, I quit, right? Well, I didn't realize it was a business. Ran through my entire life savings, was completely broke. 
ended up working in a video store in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, making seven bucks an hour, Montrose video and Montrose Kids, California. that's when you could go to a, an actual store, you right. get a video, <laughs> Kids. you bring it back. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They don't know what a video they store is. They don't know is. Blockbuster. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> and then I, here, I'll give you guys one. It was Los Angeles, and I used to live in a, an apartment that was $400 a month that included all my utilities in Los Angeles. So take a stab at how bad that was. Because I was completely broke. Because I, I jumped, and guess what? No net appeared. You know, I didn't have a plan. Yeah. I just, oh man, I got paid for one talk. I'm good, right? And so, yeah, man, I, uh, I scrape. I was scraping by. I was, you know, working extra shifts in the store, just trying to make it and um, pay my rent. And then my mentor, my cousin, we're doing a call one time, and I was giving him the "woe is me" story. And he, uh, he said, well, why don't you stop studying speakers? Most of them probably broke. Why don't you go study the world's best marketers, take what you learned from marketing, apply it to speaking. And if he told me to get a, a pencil and eat the eraser, I would do it because everything he told me in my entire <laughs> life has worked out. So, so I did. I've only you know, eaten 15 erasers. Yeah. 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 I, mean, so I, was eating, I was eating top ramen noodles, <laughs> all that stuff. I was broke. Huh. Well, within two years, I was doing, I did 40 talks the next year, and I did 100 paid talks the following year, second year, and I'd never done less than 100 some, I say 100 talks, but it got to a point where it was actually like 150 locations, because some places were paying me three, four, five checks to be there at one location to speak at, for different times or different events. So that's how it all started. I, I rolled up the sleeves and got to work and figured it out. Can we go back to, you know, jumping, jumping with no net? Because yeah. we built this whole tribe on uh, on not jumping with a net. So we've had something stabilized while we build this out. And is that important? I mean, the, the idea that you jump out and there's nothing there, you just hope it's going to come together. That really puts a lot of people in a world of hurt. I think it's the dumbest strategy on the planet. Hmm. I did it. I know. Yeah, you know, that whole jump in the net will appear. No, I jumped and I fell down, smacked my face, my elbows, my knees, skinned them up. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I was in a financial destitute piece of, of a place in my life because of just jumping. I mean, think how dumb that is. Like, you know, it's like saying I want to drive from uh, I'm down here in Florida, my place, Florida to New York. And I just jump in the car with no GPS or no map and just go drive. Yeah. I mean, can I get there? Yeah. I mean, if, I asked directions along the way, but how long is it going to take me? Right? Yeah. You wouldn't do that. You would plug in an address on a GPS, right? So yeah. why would you start a business? I do a lot of business consulting now. Uh, and I tell them, well, we're not doing anything without a plan. You wouldn't build a house without blueprints. Why would you do anything in life to just jump without you know, strategically thinking it out. So it sounds good. It's a nice, cool cliche, like a lot of inspirational quotes or nice, yeah. cool cliches. But, you know, here on planet Earth in the real world, a lot of those things get you <laughs> in real trouble. Well, so, you know, there's a, there's an idea around serendipity, right? And, and some people think of serendipity as that magic, that net will appear. Yeah. Well, the planning is what creates the opportunity for that net to appear. I just went to Puerto Vallarta without plans. I, I had a plane ticket and that was it. But I had money. And if I needed to get a hotel or do anything, I was prepared to do that. It wasn't like I just jumped in hoping that things would play out. 
And, and I think with serendipity, it's like you're working on your plan and then magically you're paying attention and you see other opportunities. So it's not, it's not like you described, you just jump without a net. You're prepared, you're planning, you're working, you're doing things and things show up. Yeah, I mean, imagine a pilot getting into the plane without a flight plan. Now nah, we're just going to fly. We're just going to take off and fly. Don't worry if we hit into anybody when we're backing out or, if, you know, even if we're supposed to take off, we're just going to wing it. I see people do that in life and business all the time. They just wing it. Yeah. You know, instead of actually planning, you know, they right. jump without a net. Without, man, if I want to, if I'm jumping out of an airplane, I want a net. I want, uh, I want two parachutes. I want, you know, <laughs> bungee cord to the plane. I want to make sure I'm all right. Pilot's like, I don't even know how much fuel we have, but guys, we're going to go for it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's that's important because when we talk about our 12 journeys, part of that is having the vision. But that vision is is vital because you know where you're going. So when you create that purpose, so when you started going into speaking and then you had another pivot within that, stop trying to be the speaker, start being the marketer. I heard that from Richard Paul Evans around his books. He started as a marketer and then moved into to publishing. And um, but when you have that vision, it pulls you through that uncertainty because that vision kind of gives you that place to aim. But you kind of create, do you create the plan in advance as much as you can and then allow for uncertainty or do you try and get as much certainty as you can? How do you handle that? Does that oh, make sense? I, you know, I love the Sun Tzu, the art of war. Every battle is won before it is fought. Right. And I like to go into a situation knowing that uh, as best as possible what the outcome is going to be, hmm. you know, I mean, it, I know some of the top, athletic coaches professionally collegiately in, in the world and none of them go in without game plans you know every one of them now they don't always work out and you have to improvise and adjust right because things happen obviously but then they have situate they have plans for if situations pop up that aren't supposed to pop up you know need a last minute shot well there's a plan i played basketball at cincinnati i mean we had last minute half court plan last a last minute full court plan Right, last minute foul foul line plan, or if there's like 10 seconds left. We have plans for all that stuff in mm. case it was needed, you know, because the last thing you want to do is be in that situation and need it, and not have something to go to with the, you know, like, oh, I got it. I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna run, you know, X2, you know, to the third. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you just just do it. You know, so I, I believe wholeheartedly that uh that old line, I do like this quote, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Huh. Yeah. And you do you have some simple ways you can with what you have, right? Go ahead, Brian. I just yeah. going to ask you like, okay, so from, from one of the world's best in this industry, um, what are some simple tips, um, tools, things that somebody that, that, like I said, that's listening to this podcast could go back and start doing and learning and start stepping. What would you suggest as far as a plan or ways to plan and uh, what, what that looks like? Well, I mean, that, that's a, it's kind of a tough question because it's, it's so it's like saying, how do you want to be, uh, tell me how to be successful. Well, what in business in finances in family in spiritual, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's, it's probably for each one, it's a little bit different, but let me give you sort of a framework. I always try to follow with anything that I do and, it's three letters. So my company is actually big money speaker, but I took BM, BMS and I created an acronym for it as well. 
And B stands for always think like the buyer. Always think like who you're going after or what you're going after, right? So mm -hmm. if, if I want to, um, if I want to get in with a Super Bowl champion guy and network my way in with him so that we can maybe do business, well, I need to think like him. If I want, if I own a sandwich shop, right? I don't want to create menus from my point of view. I want to think like people who might want to buy sandwiches, right? So you always think from the buyer's point of view and the buyer is always different, always changes, right? So um, if I'm trying to get my kid into a school, I need to think like the admissions office. What are they looking for? And that's not what most people do. We always come from our point of view, right? So B is uh, always think like the buyer. And, and I just use the word buyer, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a buyer. It could be an admissions person, example, example for school. And this match what they want, not what you think they need, but what they want. Make sure you're matching exactly with what they want. And then S, make sure you're solving problems. Hmm. So it's buyer match solve, buyer match solve. People are like, how do you get in with all these different folks that are these high level celebrities? Because I always approach them with, you know, what does this person need? What does this person want? And how can I in some way, shape or form help them get that? Okay. I just had um, lunch in San Diego with a guy who played for the Yankees, won four World Series titles with the Yankees and uh, had not done much speaking, three or four talks. Um, so knows a lot about baseball and com competitive advantage, team building, et cetera, but not a, much about this, right? So right away, even going into that meeting with him, I said, well, what does he want? He wants to get booked for talks, right? So if I could take what he wants and somehow in my communication match what he wants with what I can deliver and solve his problem, we're going to have a great friendship. So we sit down for a little coffee and I said, hey, before we get started, I just want to let you know, I think I got a speaking engagement booking for you for 10,000 bucks. Would that be helpful for you? Needless to say, I didn't have to buy my own coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I'm always approaching the buyer. If I'm trying to get in with an event coordinator to book me to speak, the last thing they care about is my talk and yeah. my story. What they care about is if they hire this guy, Will this guy give them what they want for their people? So when I'm talking to an event coordinator, buyer, and they say, well, if we hire you, what are you going to talk about? I said, look, I'll tell you that in a minute. But before we do, let me ask you a simple question. What do you want to have happen for your people after the speech is done and they walk out of the room? And then I just keep quiet and I write down every single thing they're telling me. Why? Because that's what's important to the buyer. Mm. And then I just let them know that I'm going to be able to deliver that match and that I'm going to solve their challenges. Boom, I mean, easy. You get booked all the time. You've worked with people like Russell Brunson, Les Brown, big names in, in the industry. And when you started back in the very beginning, did you go after names like that? Were you, were you afraid to? Was there, you know, was there an, an evolution around that of how you evolved into the, the celebrities? Well, so I just wanted to speak in the beginning. I didn't know anything yeah. about it. And so once I learned the whole marketing thing, and then I started to really like book a bunch of talks. And then I was like, well, okay, if I'm flying to Dallas, this is stupid to fly there for one talk. How do I get them to book me for like three or four talks? And then how do I get groups all over the Dallas area to book me on the, on the, the day before and the day before that and the day after? So I go to Dallas one time and I speak 20 times 
in a week and come home with $100,000 for the same trip that most people would go for like five grand. Right. right. So I just started thinking that way. And then I learned about budgets they had to buy books to, for all their people that most speakers don't even know. So I figured out all these, my point is these savvy things that I was doing for myself. And then folks started finding out about it and say, dude, how do you, how do you do that? And so I started just helping them. And I was just too busy. I was speaking. I was traveling 150 different locations doing all these talks back in my heyday. And then uh, somebody asked one time, hey, man, why don't you start a coaching program? This was in 2004 or five, I think it was. And I was like, I'm too busy speaking. I don't have time for this coaching stuff. <laughs> and then so I, I did. And uh, I said, look, if I started this, how much would you pay me to like hang out with me and have, you teach, have me teach you everything I learned? And they named the price. I said, okay, I'll do it. And then uh, so that's, that's it. That's uh, I'm a coach. coach. How much would you pay me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said, what do you think is fair and honorable yeah. and, you know, fair to you, but fair to me too. Cause I already spent all the time figuring this out. Yeah. You know? And so uh, one led to two, two led to three, three led to four. And then uh, some of the bigger names started to hear about me and they're like, you know, it That's was actually amazing. Mark Victor Hansen, co-creator of Chicken Soup of the Soul. He had this speaker event back in the day called how to build your speaking empire seminar. And he called me up and said, man, I heard that you know how to do all this savvy marketing stuff. We want you to come and speak at our event. And that, that kind of was the first speech teaching it at another you know, place that I ever did back in 05, I think, or 06. So that's how it all happened. I don't, yeah. I don't pursue people. They come to me when they're ready to make money. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we teach about fractals, right? And how there's a, an evolution in, in expansion and growth. And a lot of people jump in and they think I'm going to be big time and it's going to go fast and you know, it's, it's going to be perfect, but there's this growth that occurs because you've got to be able to have the capacity for the thing that you're doing. And, and over time you develop this capacity to do larger and larger groups, 20 to 30,000 plus people. And so if you had done that back in the day, when you had started, you would have had the capacity. It, it likely would have come apart. Is that accurate? Well, I thought I could, and, and, you know, we always think about a lot of stuff that's not necessarily true. You know, I'm going to be on stage. Well, like Zig, Zig, Zig Ziglar was the guy back then. Matter of fact, I tell you guys a cool talk about vision. Yeah. So when I was broke in the video store, eating top ramen noodles, making seven bucks an hour, I, uh, I took a picture of Zig Ziglar on stage in front of a crowd like 20,000 people back in the day when he used to speak on the success tour, the Peter Lowe success tour. And um, I took my I took a picture of myself with something called a Polaroid camera. You guys remember what a Polaroid yeah. camera? <laughs> yeah, they're coming back in style. I know. Yeah. So we might not have to explain that one to kids, yeah. Ryan. They might know right. what that is. <laughs> and I um, I cut, I took scissors and I cut my head off and I taped my head on uh. Zig's body and I made copies at the video store. And I put that everywhere where I had to see it. I put it on the dashboard of my car because huh. I figure I got to see it all the time when I'm driving. Put it on my bathroom mirror. So it was the first thing I saw when I woke up in the morning and the last thing I saw before I went to sleep. You know, because you're usually in the bathroom as soon as you wake up and right when you go to sleep. I put it on my refrigerator. So every time I opened it, you know, I saw that picture. And I, I put it on my uh, door going out of the apartment so that I saw it. So pretty much it was... I was visualizing and ingraining it and imprinting it in my mind everywhere I looked. And my whole thing was this. Yeah, this is where I'm at right now. I'm broke in a video store eating top ramen noodles. 
but that's where I'm going. And I don't know how I'm going to get there. And that's one of the things I always teach. You know, it's, you don't worry about the how because you focus on the how. You'll talk yourself out of it and discourage yourself. Yeah, but hang on to that because how how is that different from planning? So you don't have to answer that now, but go yeah. ahead with the story and we'll come yeah. back to it. Yeah. So like when I set that that vision of I want to be, I'm going to be where Zig's at. Yep. I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. See, that's the first part. Like the first part is like, I got this goal. And then you go, well, how the hell am I going to do that? And then you go, ah, I just quit and give up. That's what I mean by it. you don't know the how when you first set your intention, set your goal, set your dream, right? The how will work out, but then that's where you come in with planning. So that's when I started joining groups. That's when I started hanging out where the other speakers were, find, you know, learning from other marketers, sitting over in the Barnes and Noble in Pasadena, California, on Colorado Avenue every Friday, Saturday night, and reading books on marketing and sales because I didn't want to go out and I couldn't afford to buy the book. I mean, so that's my planning. That's my do stuff in order to have the house start to figure itself out. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to do that. That's but, beautiful. Yeah. But I had to do stuff and that's where I was going to go. Yep. Right. But my point is when you first set that, don't worry about how you're going to do it right at that moment because you will talk yourself out of it. Ah, I'm from a steel mill town. How the heck am I? Yeah, who am that? I? Right? Who am I? Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that that's my Zig story. That uh, So I, I told Zig that when I was honored to have lunch with him 20 years later in Las Vegas huh. at one of these events. And uh, yeah, he was just like, wow, that's a great story. And he's like, my body looked a lot better with your head on it, James. He's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. He used to always tell these jokes. <laughs> yeah. He'd, he'd look good with size 13s, though, right? <laughs> Throw his head yeah. on your body now. Yeah. You know what I wish? The one thing I wish is I would have saved those photos. Oh, man. Yeah. You don't think about it back then, but yeah, it would be really cool to show those today. Well, one of the things we do with our, our, our group is we teach them to create the vision. Kind of imagine where you want to go from where you are. Even if you don't know how, just create it and create sure. it as though it's already there and already happened. Yeah. And then plan from where you are as much as you know, just go start acting on things that are possibilities. But you got to surrender the how. There's a there's a gentleman I talked to in Nigeria and he's he's in a survival state in a in a way. Hmm. And so he gets into that space of how how am I going to do a vision? You know, there's I'm in Nigeria and uh, yeah, just like I would just like James Melanchuk did. Right. Just like Ryan Morris does. You just create the plan and you start acting on what you know. Is is that accurate? Is yeah. there anything you would yeah, adjust? Also, there? I think I think the other thing is you have to. Um, I think you got to grab on to some sort of inspiration. Hmm. You know, like let's take the gentleman from Nigeria. And I don't know what his situation is, but right. I don't care how tough somebody's situation is. There's somebody somewhere who's had a tougher one who got out of it. Hmm. You know, and I'd want to try with access to the internet today. I mean, I'd want to be trying to grab on to somebody. If I had no food, no shelter. I'm living in a horrible situation because of maybe government in my, in this country, wherever I'm at. Yeah. Well, somebody went through that somewhere and they got out of it. So let me latch on to them as an inspiration yep. and try to figure out like, okay, how might have they have been, how they get food, how they start with food, right? How they start with shelter, how they even get shelter, right? You know, that they get a tarp. And that became the shelter from the rain. That was the first piece of shelter. And then did they get wood and weave it together with, you know, 
branches and that became a stronger shelter. So you, you just you just start, you gotta do something, but you latch on to someone who might be an inspiration who overcame a tough time, just like you're going through yeah. or even a worse yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. That's ins- well, that's powerful and that's accessible to everybody right now with the internet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, someone, someone or something always, I believe, has to serve as our inspiration. Yeah. You know, obviously, in my opinion, God, but, you know, there are human beings that I tell people this all the time. Don't bitch, whine, moan, and complain. There's, I'll show you five people that's gone through way tougher times than you and came out of it. Way tougher. Yeah. I was just watching Joel Osteen uh, on Sunday, and they had a, a guy on, this kid, uh, it, labeled ADHD growing up. Never spoke a sentence until he was seven years old. Couldn't even like put sentences together. Long story short, he decided to work really hard with tutors and mentors. Goes on and graduates high school with a 4.8 GPA. Was named his the top student and was the valedictorian given the commencement address for his class. And doctors and everybody wrote him off and because he had never spoken and he couldn't keep his attention. If that kid did it, what are we moaning about? What are we complaining that a car doesn't start? What? What? The he doesn't run. Ryan doesn't pay the power bill, and the power bills. This kid, this kid didn't talk for seven years. You know, so I always look at stuff like that, and then I'm like, why am I complaining? Beautiful. Look what this kid did. You know, because we all get in that rut, right? We all get in that rut of like, oh, woe is me, and feel bad for ourselves. And I just personally look for other people who've gone through more tough times. And then I'm like, James, what are you complaining about? Huh? Like, seriously, what are you complaining about? So we're, we're going to honor your time. We got about three minutes left. Oh, wow. And, and if you, uh, if you could share one fast. piece of wisdom, actually, I'm good. I got about 10 more. If oh, Hey, we'll want. take yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep going. Let's here. Um, yeah. you know, here's, here's what I'll do. I, um, we have 12 journeys. I'm going to go through these with you real quick. I'd love to hear your perspective on these and any shift or twist you might make to this. But we see as a journey, the unconsciousness, you go about your life unconsciously. You have things that you do without thinking. You go to awareness. And when you get aware of things, you often go to the space of grief. And from that grief, there's this mourning or this what should be or, you know, what is not in your life. And then you move from there to acceptance. I'm, I'm okay with it being what it is. Now I'm grateful for what remains or what's possible. And you move into uncertainty, the next journey of uncertainty. And then from there, when we hit the space of uncertainty, we feel like once something's uncertain, everything is possible. So you go to vision, you start creating that vision, and then that pulls you through the uncertainty. And then you get to nurture and surrender. So you don't get to choose how it comes about, but you got to nurture it. So you got to work toward it, plan toward it, move toward it. And then from there, you keep yourself feeling good. And in all of this, you have this tendency to go back and give back to the world in some form, whether with your creation or some other way. And so these are the 12 journeys that we see. I mean, do you see it similar to that or is it do you have a little different take on that? Yeah, mine is much simpler. In my opinion, I try to keep things simple for myself. So I've got three things. Mindset. Right. This is about mindset, about how you think on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And mindsets yep. are shifted. All I'm not talking about attitude of pie in the sky, wishful thinking, sitting uh, in a lotus position on your couch going, um, 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 I hope the window opens up an opportunity. <laughs> right. There, sounds, so good. Yeah, it sounds yeah. good. It's not like that. Sounds uh, good. 
Well, I mean, the movie The Secret said it was like that, but hey, I'll yeah. try anything once. I sat on my couch in the lowest position and no window opened up, no customers <laughs> walked in, no, no goals were attained, you know? Yeah. So, but it's, I think it's mindset. You got to think differently, right? Yeah. But that's not enough. A lot of people talk about thinking. I think it's a triangle. It's three things. Number two, yeah. it's skill set. You literally got to go learn skills in order to do things, whatever that might be. You got to learn the skill of goal setting. If I want to buy real estate, I got to go learn the skills of, of lease options and flipping it and rehabbing or whatever it is. You want to learn speaking. You got to learn the skills of it. You got to learn how to deliver a presentation, how to put it together. If you're doing a speaking offer, how do you speak, make an offer and have you know hundreds of people enroll? How to get yourself what those are all skills, right? So mindset alone is not enough. You need skill set, right? And then but that's not enough. It's mindset, it's skill set number three. Get off your assets and do something, man. <laughs> like literally get moving. So everything I teach my students is all about centered around those three. You're gonna think differently on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, not pie in the sky thinking, we're like real thinking here on planet Earth. Yeah. Number two, we're gonna learn some skills. Right. You know, I, I just I taught, give an example, taught some skills to a person and that person went out and sold five hundred thousand dollars at their next event. Why? Because that's a that's a skill. How to put a presentation together. What do you leave out of it? What do you put into it? What formula do you follow? Tonality, all that stuff. Right. But yeah. then if that person doesn't get off their asset and actually deliver the presentation. Nothing happens. So I, yeah. I, I, minor, minor, simple, three things. No, I, I love it. Access skills. I'm not that smart to have more in-depth <laughs> things like that. I need to dumb <laughs> it down then. I like it. You know, the, uh, this, the idea too, that the magic occurs when you're out there getting off your assets because you're out there doing things and something else occurs out here that you weren't even expecting. And it comes into that space because you're off your assets. Absolutely. So uh, you experience that then? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, let's take business or financial. I always say money is always attract, attracts the movement, right? When you're moving, even if it's in the wrong direction, you're still moving and you can course correct, you know? So like I, I, I use this as an example because I help a lot of speakers. If you're not mailing brochures out and you're not contacting event coordinators, you're not going to the conferences where all the coordinators are so you can showcase in front of them so they can see you, even if you're not a good speaker yet. Even if you don't feel confident yet, you're still there up in front of them, right? And even a broken yeah. clock is right twice a day. So you'll at least get two coordinators, even if you're terrible, that book you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but see, that's movement. Yeah. You don't have to be great, right? I love what Zig said. He used to say, you don't have to be great to get started, but you got to get started to be great. You know, and I'm a big believer in that. And you got to move. You got to just put things in action. You know, so um, like when I was a broker, financial advisor, I never stayed home. I was always out at some event. You know, I was always out cold walking, knocking on doors in business complexes. Right. I was I was doing seminars even when two people showed up. Yeah. Right. However, one time two people showed up and one of them was a big Hollywood writer that actually became my client and introduced me to all these Hollywood people. Imagine had I not done something. Imagine had I not done the 13 previous wow. where two people showed up. I wouldn't wow. have hit the 14th one. 
imagine if you hadn't shown up. So who, who could you have been inside of that? Like two people were here, you would have shown up less powerfully. And then that still would have never happened. So you still gave the same energy. It sounds like to that group, even though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm just a big, big believer in movement, doing stuff, getting off your assets. You know, even if it's the wrong, wrong way, at least you course correct and you learn, you know, by doing it incorrectly. Sometimes we have to learn by doing it incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was with Krzyzewski uh, uh, from Duke and I remember him saying we were at this Michael Jordan thing in Vegas. And I remember him saying every almost everything I've learned from winning, I've learned from failing. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful. Huh. That's really powerful. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, failure is fertilizer. It helps you grow, helps you come back, come back stronger, plant the right stuff, you know, plant the right seeds in the garden, so to speak. And I just thought that was so fantastic because I never looked at that that way. Uh, Joe Theismann, he says, I've never had a failure in my life. I've only had educational experiences that did not go my way. How about that? I like that. (laughs) Powerful. Do you uh, you have a vision for the next half of your life two-thirds of your life you're a young guy still like you've got you've got a long way to go yeah i have a uh a financial goal that i want to give away 10 million dollars hmm. the next part of my life to help charities and uh, i've been very blessed to do a lot of that kind of stuff but i just set a really high goal i said you know i think we can impact a lot of folks and build water wells and build schools in uganda and things like that um, yeah. that's, that's a pretty hefty uh a pretty hefty number to give away. So I just yeah. said that for myself. Do you have a plan? Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just putting you on the spot there. You know, I'd, I'd wonder, are you still good to keep going for a minute? Let me just check here. Yeah. I have a uh, 2.30 Eastern. It's 2.18. Yeah, I've got. Uh, Let's go five minutes, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're good. Yeah. I, I really want to hear, you know, and Ryan, I'll turn over to you too, but a piece of wisdom, if you could go back in time to yourself, at the beginning of all of this, and you could share one thing with yourself around this journey that you went on, what would you share? A couple things. I would say um, always find great mentors who uh, are non-BS because they will cut your learning curve not in half, but by 95, 97%. You know, so like, and that's what I try to do, for example, now in my, at this stage of my life with folks that I work with, you know, so I, I was out to, um, Nick Lowry is all time Kansas city chiefs kicker, all time score with kicker, seven time pro bowl is a good friend of mine. I was just with him in Vegas a couple of weeks ago for the uh, Raiders chiefs game. And he's getting into speaking more. And I said, well, Nick, don't do that. Do this, do this, do this. Here's how you do, 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 do. Here's how you here, here are the budgets that companies have to buy your book and blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, that's no BS. That's to the point. Yeah. I've done this and like literally in a breakfast or lunch meeting for 40 minutes, cut his learning curve by 99% by just telling him things. So I would say, cause I had mentors in the past, but not mentors that did that. Huh? Yeah. You know? So mentors. And then the second thing I would tell my mentors that are no BS and get to the point, whether it's goal setting, spirituality, relationships, whatever, like, just give me the dang result. I want the result. Right. Um, it's like, uh, I heard, don't tell me about the pains. Just show me the baby. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm Dan Kennedy, marketing guy. Um, second thing I would say is, and I'm really big on this, is uh, next to breathing, your most precious commodity is time. Don't waste your time. Don't mm. let people disrespect your time. Don't let anybody steal your time, protect your time, value your time, right? Place a high value on your time. And the way I figured that out is when my sister Vicky unexpectedly died of a brain tumor. And, you know, I, I learned something at that stage of my life. I said, man, I could always make more money. I can always get more customers. You get a, get a, if you lose your biggest customer, you go get another one. You go bankrupt and come back. But none of us get more time. Huh. Every single human being on the planet has the same amount of time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when that happened to Vicky, I learned the importance of time. Yeah. And to not waste it, let people disrespect it, let people steal it, you know, fill it full of drama. Yeah. You know, so that would be the thing that I wish I would have learned at a, at a, as a young age in my early 20s is the importance of time and that every single minute, every single second, you waste doing non-productive nonsense stuff is a second you never get back the rest of your life think about that yeah we don't think about that stuff when we're in our 20s right so i wish i would have learned that back then man that's beautiful those are powerful because uh time it's it's one of those things that we all get an equal portion of yeah but we all use it differently yeah and and so that's a choice right that's a creation right yeah. did you have any other thoughts or questions no, I'm, I'm just, uh, it's, it's interesting that all these things happen um, the way that they happen and uh, me visioning um, in the past working with a Les Brown and getting a James Mellon check on my podcast and be able to, to um, not just hear them like through an audio, like that I, that I, you know, like, or a CD back in the day or a, or a cassette. Tape. What's a CD? What's a CD? <laughs> I don't know. I'm too, I'm too young for cassettes. I don't know what that is. If they right? do podcasts on eight track. I'll, 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 I don't I'll, think I'll explain do. it. I'll explain those things later to the younger viewers. Yeah. But, like that's what I, that's what I grabbed onto. And I would listen to people like you all throughout the industry because that's where I wanted to be. So I put myself intentionally in the path of those types of people and then guess what happens as i put myself and i get off my assets just like you said it hasn't been perfect my power went out my my service has been spotty on my cell phone during this interview it wasn't perfect but guess what it's still happening and it's still happening right now because i did yep. the things to get right here right now i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be because i put myself in position to do those things and i'll continue to do that and it'll get better and better and maybe my power won't go out in the future <laughs> now remember life's not fair life's not unfair life is life yeah so if your power goes off what do you do well a lot of people would quit and go oh crap right well, what do you do you jump like, in your car, like, get on your car. car yeah so you improvise and go over and under and around it and that's what you did man kudos to you because a lot of yeah. people said oh, i just can't get back on i'm stuck you know and that's, you know, by the way, that's, that's a main attribute of success is the willingness not to give up, right? Not to, not to quit when things go wrong. Hey, I always say this, man, anybody can be happy and all positive when things are hunky-dory, unicorns and roses and rainbows. 
right? But let somebody go through a tough time and then you'll see who's standing, right? Kind of the old Mike Tyson line. Everybody has a plan until I'll punch them in the face, <laughs> right? And then they yeah. quiver and they don't know what to do because they don't know how to adjust unless you're like Evander Holyfield or Lennox Lewis who had plans, right? And were able to adjust when that hard blow came. Yeah. Right? Most people weren't willing to adjust when the hard blows come. And you have a tasty earlobe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I got to share this with you, though, too. One of my favorite all-time quotes talked yeah. about planning and prepping has always been Muhammad Ali's quote when he said, champions are made in the gym, not the ring. And I've always believed that. Like, oh, man, we want to be prepared. It goes back to the Sun Tzu. Every battle's uh, fought before it is won. Every battle is won before it is fought. Right? Well, what is yeah. that? That's planning. That's preparation. Right. And most people aren't willing to do that. They just, they want it too easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's easy to give up there. Uh, very easy to quit and yeah. give up when you're met yeah. with some resistance, you know, but, but you're going to get met with resistance. That's a part of life. That's the way it is. Everything you want to do, you're met with resistance. And right. so I always kind of like, uh, I always kind of chuckle inside and say, well, I feel sorry for my competitors because as soon as they meet some resistance, they're going to quit. And I just won't quit. I just won't, I just won't quit. I'll just keep going and I'll win just because, because everybody else will quit. I thought I was just <laughs> stubborn, but yeah, maybe it's a good thing. Well, James, hey, hey, we, we want to honor your time too. We know it's now yep. it's really close to where you yeah, got like five minutes. But now I'm going to go, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm go print off your picture and cut, cut my head out, put it on your body. And, Be sure uh, to highlight we'll the shoes, the man. Future. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's an honor if you would do that, man. Oh, oh we lost him. We lost him. He's such a good dude. We've we've come on quite a journey to get to where we are today, and it's been beautiful. Um, you know, as we wrap up here, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I just I just believe, you know, that anybody watching or listening that, that don't settle for less than you're capable of becoming. God put you on this earth for a reason with a purpose. And you won because you're here. I mean, if you want to really break it down, look how many sperm you actually outswim to make it. So you are already, you know, born to win and you right. are here to win. And nobody comes into this world a loser. Everybody comes in a winner. Hmm. You know, so don't live less than you're capable of living and don't do less than you're capable of doing and don't become less than you're capable of becoming. You're already a winner because you're here. Beautiful. Now, now it's up to you to take it the next to the next level i love that man we appreciate our audience we have such a great audience they're so engaged for those that are watching remember you're exactly where you're supposed to be you're right on time you're doing exactly what you should be doing so just keep stepping those small steps are going to add up and like james you're going to create giant outcomes so keep doing it we'll see you in the next video thanks for watching have a great day